Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you again today. Folks, my life has been a total whirlwind here. Uh, My wife and business partner, Dr. Robin Silverman, and I listed our house for sale on Saturday morning. Uh, I think at about 10 a.m., they hit the enter button and listed it. At noon, we had a bunch of offers on it. So we are now in the space of, are we going to be homeless? Uh, we certainly hope not, but uh, I'll tell you, these are all great problems to have. Although, anytime you come by my house now, you see me running around with uh, boxes and packing and all that other fun stuff. So, it is bananas, but again, I'm, I'm thrilled to, uh, to step away from that space and step into this space today. In any case, I am really, really pumped about today's episode. As you probably know by now, I get really excited about the opportunity to share some time with people who I feel are really smart and really good at relaying that wisdom to others. And uh, today's guest is certainly going to do that. He's a real deal on so many levels, as you'll immediately see once we get this conversation rolling. I'm always on the hunt for interesting, as well as super beneficial guests, and today's show is right on par. I want to introduce my, my listeners to somebody who really plays the game and who's been there and done that, and most importantly, has the skills to help others successfully follow in his footsteps. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, my mastermind groups, or through Powerful Words Character Development, all-star cheer sites, or dance sites done right, you know how much I focus on using every weapon in your arsenal to become and stay a top performer, right? Well, this show is going to help you to do just that. So today, it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information to help you succeed, as well as a fun way to deliver it. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be awesome. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. Remember, folks, we only get to go around this ride once. Let's make sure it's one hell of a ride. Alrighty, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put down Twitter, Instagram, put down your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your child, your spouse, or anything that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So, before we officially get going, I want to give you a little bit of background about our guest today. Scott Duffy is a best-selling author, a speaker, an angel investor, and a business consultant. He began his career working for best-selling author and speaker Tony Robbins and went on to work for several big media brands like CBS Sportsline, NBC Internet, and FoxSports.com. Next, he founded Smart Charter, an online booking tool for private aviation, which was acquired by Richard Branson's Virgin Group. Scott has spoken at the New York Stock Exchange and has been a guest on numerous media outlets including CNBC, Fox News, The Wall Street Journal, and Business Week. Scott's new book, Launch, by Penguin and Portfolio, is a blueprint for business leaders to launch and grow successful ventures. Scott currently lives in Southern California with his wife and two children. Scott, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you here today. 
Hey, I am so excited to be here. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thank you for saying so. Hey, listen, before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity and sincere pleasure of meeting you or hearing you speak or, or grabbing your book yet, do me a favor. Take a second and share your story with our listeners. You know, what are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Scott Duffy? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, I, I would say that, that Scott Duffy is uh, is a number of different things. Number one, an entrepreneur. Two, a... I am a just crazy Disney dad. Um, I'm a family man. I live in, in Southern California in Newport Beach, and and uh, and it just number three. I, I'm a guy that just I just I love life, and and I love helping people to think big and and to build a plan and really like get them on a course to take whatever it is, whatever their big idea is, and turn that into a reality that leads to them fulfilling a dream. Wow. Wow, wow, I like you already. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let, let, let's dive right into it because, you know, I always like to almost start with a negative on this. So what do you feel in your experience, what do you feel keeps people from getting started? Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I think in my experience, you know, working with, with, you know, thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs, I met so many that they'll have a big idea. Right, and it's like it's something that they're totally passionate about. It's something that gets them up early in the morning. It keeps them up late at night. Right, it's that thing that they just can't let go of. But but they never jump in, and, and they fail to get started because they think that they need to have everything that they need, you know, before before jumping in. And if there's anything that I've learned in my life, being around some of the most like amazing, the most successful innovators and entrepreneurs, it's this. It's that the people who are most successful, they don't wait. Instead, what they do, they, they've done is they've learned the difference between having resources and being resourceful. You know, they've learned how to identify all those things that they need and accumulate them, not all at once, but each and every step of the way. You know, in order to get started, especially as it relates to raising capital, you don't have to wait. You know, you can just, you can jump in again by just looking at the people around you, the network around you. And I'm here to tell you that everything that you need is either in you now or it's within your reach. So don't wait. Get started. Wow. What is the first thing that you feel you need to do when, when someone's going to start a great company? Well, the first thing that you need to do, in, in my opinion, is get on the same page with the person who's going to be the most important person in that new, that new venture. You see, in my experience, you know, I always believed that I was the most important person in every business I started because like, it was my idea or I had all the fancy titles like CEO and founder and stuff like that. But, but all of that changed a couple of years ago when I had an opportunity to meet Howard Schultz. So you know Howard Schultz, he's the, the founder, well he's not the founder, but he purchased it early on. He's the CEO of Starbucks, and the gentleman really credited with growing that business. And I'm a huge fan of, of, of Howard, and, and I'm a huge fan of Starbucks. I'm probably in there every single day. And, and so I remember when I was told I'd have a chance to meet him and hear him speak, I was totally pumped up. And I, I remember, that night, sitting in a room with, with probably 500 entrepreneurs, Howard great gave a great speech. But honestly, I felt like, like even though it was a great speech, it didn't really connect. I felt like he was really just there promoting a, a new book. And, and I remember at the end of his talk, 
one of my close friends got up and he asked, you know, he asked a question. And I don't even know if this is a question. He said, he said, Howard, he said, I'm your biggest fan. I go into your store, I buy your coffee every single day. And he said, I used to believe that we were a lot alike. But if there's anything that I've learned tonight, it's this. It's that when you talk about having tough times, you got a billion dollars in your pocket. When the people in this room, when they have tough times, and they're trying to build their businesses, they're just trying to figure out how to send their kids to school and feed their families. Hmm. And he said, so Howard, respectfully, he said, you know, I love you, but, you know, I've learned that we're not so much alike. And, and he literally walked away from the microphone and sat down. And I remember the whole room just got totally silent. And in that moment, Howard Schultz stood up and he became a different man. He walked across the stage and he said, you know what? I'm exactly like you. He said, let me tell you a story. And he told the story about how he got started. And the way that he got started was he was a salesman and he used to sell equipment to coffee shops. And he ran across a store in, in Seattle with one or two outlets called Starbucks and he really fell in love with it. And he decided that's the business that he wanted to be in. And so he applied for a job and he got a job at Starbucks as a marketing guy. And, and here's the thing, he had this really big idea for the store. The idea was he wanted to put an espresso maker inside the store and make like espresso drinks. Like that's the cornerstone of Starbucks today. They didn't like the idea. And so he left the company. But he got inspired. He got inspired to go and start his own coffee business, to open up his own shops. And that's what he did. He like wrote a plan. He got, you know, he started to acquire the capital he needed, all that stuff. And then one day he got a call. And the call was from his father-in-law. His father-in-law said this. He said, you know, Howard, he said, I love you. And I love you to have this big vision and this big idea and this big dream. He said, but here's the thing. You've been working on this for the last 18 months without any pay. And he said, my daughter, your wife, she's the only one bringing in a paycheck. And she's eight months pregnant. And he said, so Howard, he said, again, respectfully, I say this. Maybe it's time to give up. He said, maybe it's time to put it on hold. Maybe it's time to move on. And Howard was like totally just dejected. And he went home and he was ready to close his shop. And he was ready to let go of the coffee drink. And he sat down with his wife and he told her what happened. And she gave him what I call the Rocky speech. Like that speech that Adrian gives Rocky right before the big fight. And she said, you know what, Howard? She said, this isn't just your dream. It's our dream. You know, this isn't your vision, it's our vision. You're not in this alone, we're in this together. And somehow we're going to stay up all night, we're going to figure it out. And that's what they did. And what I learned in that moment was that the most important person in any company isn't me as the entrepreneur. It's the person that I come home to. And, and the thing is, that person I come home to, usually they've got a pretty tough job. Because, you know... I usually don't share, as an entrepreneur, all the good stuff that happens in the day. They're the person that I talk to about the rough stuff, the person I vent to. So I've given these guys a title. They're, they're our chief venting officers, right? <laughs> they're the people, and, and, and they just support us. And, and so what I've learned in my life is this. The most important thing you need to do to start a business is to get on the same page as the people around you, the people that love you. And here's how you do it. The first thing you do is this is you find out how much those people are willing to risk financially. 
right? I, I would much rather risk less money financially in pursuing my dream than be on a different page than that person I come home to. The second thing that you need to find out is how much time will that person let you commit? If I'm planning on spending 24 hours a day on this, but that's not you know, the plan that they have, then boy, we better figure that out up front. And the third thing that you need to do is you need to understand what your partner's communication strategy is. And here's what I mean. What I mean is some CEOs, some of those people who just love us and support us, they want to know everything. They want the blow by blow. And, and that's great for them. But other people, they don't want to know everything about our business. Because that emotional roller coaster entrepreneurship, that's just too much. And so we need to learn how much our partner wants to hear. And we also need to hear when they want to hear. Like, do we want to go home and tell our partner bad news right before bed? Now, as the entrepreneur, it might feel great that we got it off our chest. But to that person at home, it might keep them up all night. So again, figure out what the communication strategy is. And I would say the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make is they skip this step. They fail to get on the same page. And as a result, as the business gets started and things get tough, either the business or the relationship will suffer. And sometimes it's both. So we're going to avoid that. That is, I, I have to tell you, I... I've interviewed a ton of really, really smart people, and nobody's ever laid that out. And I, I think it's brilliant. I know that you know personally. I come home, and you know my wife is my business partner, but she is also the CEO. And I, I gosh, this is brilliant stuff. Um, and I, I hear from so many of my clients that, well, gosh, you know the uh, there's such a high divorce rate in our industry because of this. Well, yeah, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> I get it. So that's that. That's brilliant. That's absolutely well, brilliant. I, I appreciate that, and I think that you know what most of us have been taught is that is that the most important stuff we need to know about building a business has to do with the strategies and tactics that we're supposed to employ. So everything from writing a business plan to you know hiring people to marketing and selling you know whatever it is that we're out there selling. It's that stuff. I gotta tell you, I think that's like 20% of it. And I think that's the easy part of it. I think the most important part of it, you know, the 80% that really makes a difference, you know, in, in the typical entrepreneur's success is the personal side of entrepreneurship. I mean, it is managing, you know, the people at, you know, the people at home in your relationships. It is, you know, managing, you know, the people that you spend your time with. So you've built your own personal network in a way that helps you to grow in the direction you need to head in order to hit your goals. You know, it's, it's, it's doing things like learning how to take care of yourself so that all that stress that you go through and that, those tough things that you experience as an entrepreneur, you're able to burn those off through a workout or, or get the fuel that you need as a result of eating well. Because I have to tell you, when times are tough, as an entrepreneur, you've got to be the toughest person in the room. It's learning how to manage your mindset. So if things don't go as planned, you're able to refocus and repackage the experience in a way that sets you in a path to move forward. So what we want to focus on is that 80%, because everything else is easy. Everything else will fall into place. Hmm. That is brilliant. Well, you know, you, you talk about, um, and this is, I guess, going to be really important as well. You know, you have your CBO, which is certainly part of your team, but what would you say is your first step to building a great team? 
The first step to building a great team is getting to know yourself. Um, I believe that entrepreneurs can be broken into three groups. The first is what I call the visionary. So this is the person that has got the idea, the vision they can see down the road. They're really good at thinking ahead. They're, they're charismatic. They're great at telling the story and getting people involved. The second type of person is what I call the manager. And this is a person that, that may be a bit visionary, but really what they're great at, you know, when you really get down to it, what they're great at is taking a vision and then building a business around it, building the systems, putting things in place, managing that company day to day. And the third type of person is what I would call the sharpshooter. And this is a person that is really good at nailing it. She like really nailing one thing. And what that could mean is they are like an exceptional salesperson. Or if they know how to, like, uh, they're into computers, they might be a great coder. You know, whatever it is, they're great at that one thing, which is what they should be doing. And, and so the first step to building a great team, and the one that most people usually skip, is to really get to understand who you are. And you can't say that you're more than one thing. You may have a little bit in you, right? But focus on the one thing that you're great at, and then put the right people around you. And, and, and again, so it starts understanding who you are and what you can really bring to the business. You know, focus on, you know, doing your strengths and hiring your weaknesses. And if there's things that you, you don't really understand about your business or there's things that you might not be, you know, so awesome at yet, and you're afraid that that, that person who could do that thing isn't out there, so like you're trying to, you know, make it work. Remember this. Remember that there are people that absolutely play that love doing the things that you consider hard. You know, so, but again, it starts with identifying who you are and what you can do to bring the most value to the business each and every day. I love it. I absolutely love it. Since we're talking about teams, let me ask this. What have you found to be the difference between, you know, the true top performers and pretty much everybody else? I have a good friend. His name is Stephen Austin. And Stephen is considered the number one evaluator of NFL talent in the world. So National Football League talent in the world. He created a business called Elite Combines, which today was purchased by the NFL. Today it's NFL Combines. And it is a, it is a think of it like a camp or a program that anyone that aspires to get into the NFL, to be drafted by a team, has to go through and during the combines, what happens is, you know, uh, each player is interviewed. They're given a lot of skill tests. Um, they go through a bunch of evaluation. And that evaluation is then turned over to the teams. And the teams can make better decisions about who they're going to hire or draft into their, you know, into their organizations. Steve's systems are so good that they're now used by virtually every major sports league in the world. In fact, the U.S. Navy SEALs now uses his method for evaluating who they should bring in to their programs. He's amazing. Wow. So I, I remember I was talking to Steve about a year ago, and we were having lunch, and, and I asked him, he said, what is the difference? Like, if, if you're looking for to, to bring, like, what's the difference between the number one person in the NFL, like, let's say that the top quarterback, like a Tom Brady, and everyone else, what's the difference between number one and number two? And it was supposed to surprise his answer. He said, three plays. 
I said, three plagues? What do you mean? He said, three plagues, three things that the number one guy does each and every game that number two doesn't. I said, how could that be it? He said, well, think about it. He said, you take three plays, and you multiply three plays times 16 regular season games, times four playoff games, and times a Super Bowl, you have almost 70 plays that number one makes that number two doesn't. Wow, that's fascinating. So the question is, how do you apply that to your business? I asked him. I said, when people were at the combine, and they're going through all these tests and these interviews. Is that how you can figure out if they can make three plays or not? And he said, no. He said, we have to watch hours and hours of game tape. And here's what's valuable for the entrepreneur to take away. What's valuable is this. There is only one part of business that an entrepreneur has perfect information about. Only one part. Everything is a guess. And that one part is hiring. Because what you're able to do is you can literally look back, and if you take your time, you can understand exactly what a person has done and what they've been able to achieve. You can learn what they're good at and what their weaknesses are. And then you can make better informed decisions. The problem is that most entrepreneurs, especially when they have small businesses or they're just getting started, they're juggling so many things. They get so doggone busy that instead of taking a look at prior performance, to find out who could make those three plays and be real difference makers in their business, what they do is they go by gut instinct. And here's the thing. What the people that go by gut typically tell me is they don't have time to do anything else. And the question I have for them is, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, how will you find time to clean up this mess that you've made down the road? It's <laughs> a great question. Truly a great question. Tell me this. What, what's your thought on on partnerships? You know, should should an entrepreneur even consider having a partner? I think that partnerships can make sense. I think that there's something that you don't just jump into. I, I think that uh, successful partners um, or partnerships have these things in common. The first is the partners have a similar vision. So from the very beginning they are running in the same direction and they're on the same page. If there is anything about your visions that is different, I gotta tell you, it's not gonna change when you start working together. You're not gonna be able to convince that person who comes in as your partner to change their vision once you get going, right? Instead, what will happen is if you have two different visions, it will create a ton of friction. So number one, you have gotta have the same vision. The second thing is, you've got to have complementary skill sets. So what that means is one person might be great at sales and one person might be great at operations, right? People would have different skill sets because if you don't, if you have, for example, two people great at sales, you effectively have two people doing the same job. And that's not going to get you any farther any faster. If you have to raise outside capital, you have to raise money, you go get a loan. The people who are evaluating you and your company will look at your partners and they'll go, wait a second, why would we pay twice for the same position? Why would we pay two people to do the same thing? So again, you need to have the same vision, number one. Number two, you have to have complementary skill sets. And number three, you've got to have complementary networks. So, you know, you want each partner to be able 
to call on different people in order to help your business grow. If you have an overlapping network, again, you just don't get that economy of scale. And so you know, the odds are that the, the partnership won't make sense. I would always recommend that if you do decide to have a partner, um, the most important thing that you need to do is get a prenup agreement with that partner. You need to have a written agreement that is signed up front that says what your job responsibility, you know, what the vision is, what each person's responsibilities are, how their performance is going to be evaluated. And then don't forget these last two parts. Number four is you never want to give a partner all of their equity or ownership outright from the beginning. And, and here's what that means. Most partnerships that fail, fail in the first six months. So imagine this. Imagine there's two of you, and you both own 50% of a business on day one. And after six months, your partner leaves. You do all the hard work for the next 10 years, and they get 50% of the business. Well, that doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But that's what happens each and every day. So what you need to do is create a plan. And the plan I recommend is this. You create a three-year plan. And each month, each partner gets one-thirty-sixth. So 12 months times three gets one-thirty-sixth of their ownership. And at the end of the three years, they effectively own their entire percentage. That way, if they leave at any time, it's really clear up front what it is that they're going to walk away with. That's brilliant. There's no dispute. And the last thing, the final thing is this. Make sure that you're, you're all on the same page with regard to how much time each person has to spend on the business. Because this is a huge area where resentment builds between partners and founders that um, doesn't get addressed up front. So here's the idea. One person may say, I'm going to devote all my time. So I'm going to get compensated this amount of money, and I'm going to get this amount of equity. The other partner, they may have a belief system that says, well, I'm not going to work that much. As long as I get the stuff done, I need to get done. What that kind of mentality does is from the beginning, because the two partners have a different vision, is it creates hostility. So you really need to make sure that you understand how much time each partner is going to be giving to this business and what they're going to be compensated for that time. And that both of you feel that it's a fair bargain up front. Got it. Got it. This is this is spectacular. All right. So one 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 other question on that is what happens when things go sideways? You know, I, I've got a uh, I've got a business partner named Gregory, and he's just, he's an amazing guy. And one of the things I love the most about Greg is he's got this really long bucket list. You know, like that that list of things that you want to do before you kick the bucket. <laughs> and and every single quarter, he's like committed to knocking one of those things off of his list. I think it's so cool. Because I know a lot of people that say that, you know, there's a lot of things they want to do in their life, but they never quite get to them. He gets at least one done a quarter. And, and last year, um, one of the things on that list was he wanted to learn how to drive a race car. And he called me and said, you want to do it with me? I'm like, are you kidding? Of course I do. And, and so this is what we did. We went to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And, and I remember when, when I got in the car, and, and, you know, I'm all buckled in. 
I learned a couple really important lessons. And, and, and the first was this. Your job as a driver, and by the way, your job as an entrepreneur is the same thing, is to always keep your eyes up and on the horizon. It's to stay focused on where it is you want to go. But here's what happens. Well, when you're driving that car five miles an hour, 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, it is really easy to keep your eyes up and to look ahead. But as you start to press down on the gas and you move faster, life comes at you faster, life comes at your business faster, what tends to happen is we take our eyes off our goal, off the horizon, and we start to look at what's right in front of us. For a race car driver, what that means is they look right over the top of the hood. If you've ever gone skiing, you call this looking over the, tees, the, skis, uh, the tips of your skis. And what happens when you look right ahead of you is this. You notice every single pebble, every single bump in the road. And as a result, you make all these really sharp and quirky you know, moves. Now, at 5 miles an hour, that's no big deal. At 150 miles an hour, that's exactly what leads to a crash. So the first lesson I learned is this. It doesn't matter what's taking place in my business. I need to keep my eyes up and on the horizon. I need to look at where I want to go. Because if I do, I can anticipate. And I can make real slow and graceful movements. The second thing that I learned is this. The second thing I learned was how to crush. And it was an awesome lesson. And it was totally unexpected. You see, when you're taking your race car driving lesson... You're sitting in the, in the driver's seat, obviously, and you're holding the steering wheel. And there's an instructor sitting in the passenger seat. And they kind of sit in an angle towards you. And one of the things that they do as you're driving along the track is they put their hand on the steering wheel and they make these minor course corrections, right, to keep you moving, you know, going, going, going safely ahead. Now, when you're driving that fast and you're in a lesson, you don't even notice that person you don't even realize their hands on the wheel. Now, as soon as you start to get comfortable, there's something they do that totally throws you off. They take the wheel and they tug. And what's the first thing that happens when that car starts to feel like it's out of control? The first thing that you do when life feels like you're out, it's out of control is you look square at what you fear most. You look square at the wall. And what happens is as your head moves to the wall, your eyes go to the wall, your head goes with it. And as your head goes with it, it pulls your shoulders and your hands. And before you knew it, know it, your whole body is moving towards the wall. And that's what leads to a crash. And so your driving instructor has one lesson, one thing, one thing they have to do, and that's it. Your driving instructor opens their hand and puts their hand against your helmet. And all they do is they push really gently so that your head gets pushed and positioned back towards the road. And what happens is, your eyes go with it. And your shoulders and your arms and your hands go with it. And that's how you go back to where you want to go. And that's how you avoid a crash. And so again, when things go sideways, keep your eye on the horizon. Keep your eye focused on where you want to go, number one. And number two, learn how to crash. Which means, take your focus and place it square on the result. Not on what you fear, fear most, on the result, and that's going to take you to where you want to be. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Scott, tell me this. Um, how can our listeners find out more about you, and most importantly, also how they, they can get their hands on your new book launch? 
Sure. Uh, you can pick up my new book launch. It's available um, in bookstores all over the country. Um, you can also find it online. Um, again, L-A-U-N-C-H exclamation point for launch. Um, you can go to scottduffy.com. scottduffy.com. You can learn more about my programs, um, do a ton of video, uh, be a part of webinars, um, and, and also sign up to receive my video programs as well. Spectacular. Spectacular. Okay. The way I love to end my podcast, Scott, is, is with this question. If you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, to help them to live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? Have a terrible memory. You see, I, I think that a lot of the times entrepreneurs get too caught up in failure, in things not working out the way they had planned, right? In um, something that they worked uh, real hard on, maybe for a long time, just, you know, not going the way they thought it would. And the thing is, I've learned from the most important, from the most successful entrepreneurs that the path to success is typically littered in failure, right? But what the best entrepreneurs do is they learn how to forget the failure, and what they do is they repackage the experience in a way that takes them closer to where they want to go. So forget that failure. Have a terrible memory. Repackage everything in a way that serves you. And I can guarantee if you do that, you will move your life farther, faster, and your business farther with less capital than you ever imagined. Wow. Spectacular. This has been absolutely amazing, Scott. Thank you so much for joining me today. It really means the world to me. I know how busy your schedule is, and I, I appreciate you taking your time today to uh, share some wisdom with all of us. Awesome. Hey, you have a great day. And, and to, to all of your listeners, remember this. You know, if... If you're waiting to jump in, remember that life doesn't wait. Just move forward. Launch. Love it. Well, folks, that's all the time we've got today. Thanks for tuning in to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or to see if you benefit from one of our mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you to achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it and achieve that success that you truly deserve. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. Go get them, folks. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.